It's time for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brimmer, your number one source for the latest Colts news, information, and discussion. It's time to kick things off. Welcome to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. I'm your producer, Heather B., and I'm here with CNHI Sports Indiana Colts beat writer, George Bremer. George, after the craziest stretch in Colts history, it seems like things are settling down around the team. What have you seen in the locker room this week, and how are the Colts dealing with what is their new reality? You know, I was talking with the athletic Zach Kiefer uh, before practice uh, today, and, and it's really kind of remarkable just how quickly this team has shrugged off what's just happened. Think about the fact that the franchise quarterback retired 15 days before the season opener and and if you went to the complex right now you wouldn't know anything has changed from day one i think that's a testament to chris ballard and the roster that he's assembled and it's a testament to frank reich and the and the buy-in that he's gotten from these players from day one they believe in their coach they believe in their teammates and they're 100 percent ready to go and and move forward with this season how has Jacoby Brissett adjusted to the new role he finds himself in? He's always been a very confident guy, a guy who really believes in what he's doing and that he can do it well. What have you seen from him this week? What is his mood like? I know he sometimes is is the cut-up in the in locker room. Has that changed now that he's got this new role, or is he still that guy? Yeah, I think one of the things the Colts like about uh, Jacoby Brissett the most is that he's the same guy every day he whether he's running the scout team whether he's a starting quarterback whether it's a good day or a bad day Jacoby Brissett you get the same thing from him every single day I think it's one of the things that this team likes the most Frank Reich said it early in the week and I thought he put it best Jacoby's a guy who's comfortable in his own skin he knows who he is he's very confident in himself as a player and as a person and he's not going to change because of circumstances or because of his job. Any, all the outside noise, all the outside pressures don't affect him. None of that really tells us much about what he's going to do on the field. We still have to wait and, and see how that plays out. But this is not a guy who's, who's panicking, who's suddenly trying to become somebody different, trying to do too much. None of those things are really problems with Jacoby Brissett. He's been the same guy from the day he was traded here from New England until uh, this week. Nothing about him has changed in terms of how he approaches the locker room, how he approaches the media, how he approaches his job. And really, like I said, it's one of the things that the franchise is most impressed with him. Now, Jacoby's moved up to QB1, and that caused some issues in QB2 and QB3. Philip Walker was released by the team. Chad Kelly is not eligible to play the first two games. Uh, so the Colts went out, and they were looking for their backup quarterback, and they found it in Brian Hoyer. What do you think, George? Good pickup for the Colts? Is this g- going to help Jacoby uh, in the quarterback room? Do you think... Hoyer was worth that price. Yeah, and it's really it's good that you throw that out there too because three-year, $12 million deal, but when you really get down into the nitty-gritty of the contract, it's, it's essentially a one-year, $7 million deal because even $2 million of the guarantees are, are only guaranteed for injury next season, and what are the odds the backup quarterback's going to get injured? I mean, that's not a very likely guarantee to, to come into play. So 
Uh, it's structured like most of Chris Ballard's deals in that there's a lot of flexibility. Uh, there's respect for the player. He's got himself a really nice payday. If he plays out the whole contract, it's going to be a really good deal for him. Three years, some stability, uh, $12 million in total. And if not, if the Colts find that they want to move on from it at some point during the course of this deal, it's, it's an easy thing to do. That's pretty much the way he's set up every deal that, that he's done so far. And so I'm not surprised by that element of it. I think if you look at the landscape, again, your your franchise quarterback retires 15 days before the opening game. Your number two gets promoted to number one. And now you've got to go find a backup on cutdown day. I think this was the best possible outcome. This is a 10-year veteran. He's going to be playing for his seventh franchise. Hoyer's entire career has been fly into a city, learn the offense, and be ready to go as quickly as possible. I think it's really the best possible outcome for the Colts in that regard. And then they get a little couple added bonuses. One is that Hoyer did spend a few weeks in Arizona back in 2012 when Frank Reich was on the the staff as a wide receivers coach. It doesn't necessarily give him much in ways of ideas about how this offense works, but it does give him a lot in terms of familiarity with Reich. He said even from then he got a real respect for Frank in in his playing career and and just the kind of gravitas that he brings to his position. And then the other part of it is that that Hoyer and Brissett just happened to strike up a, a friendship this spring. They're both part of that Tom Brady backup club that kind of gets together every year goes down to the Kentucky Derby in May, and they ended up being roommates this year by random chance uh, during that weekend. Hoyer really quickly became friends with with Brissett. In fact, he was one of the first guys to text Brissett after Luck retired and tell him, hey, man, you know, congratulations. This is the, the chance you've been waiting for. Now he finds himself backing up Jacoby here in Indianapolis, and it's a good fit. I mean, this is a guy who's seen a lot of football. As long as, as Brian Hoyer's been at it, he's seen just about everything a defense can throw at you. And that's going to be important for Jacoby because the fact of the matter is, no matter how much the franchise believes in Brissett, no matter how many reasons there are for optimism that he can go out there and get the job done, when he starts the game Sunday against the Chargers, it will just be the 18th time in his career he started an NFL football game. So there's still a lot for him to learn about the job and, and how to approach it. And I think a guy like Brian Hoyer, who's been there, seen it all, done it all, is just a perfect fit in that room to, to be in Jacoby's ear and to be another set of eyes, you know, another brain to pick out there, uh, both in terms of Jacoby personally and then we know – uh, if there's one thing we know about Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni from the year that we, we've been around them so far, it's a very collaborative offense. So all the things that Hoyer's seen and done, if he's got some ideas about some twists to put on a route or some concept that might work better married with another, uh, they're going to be open to that. So it's another guy with an encyclopedic knowledge of the game who's coming in here. And I, I think it's given the circumstances, I think it's about as good a fit as they could possibly have found. Now, I know it might rankle some Colts fans that their QB1 and QB2 right now are both former Patriots, but shouldn't that actually make you feel a little good? I mean, there's both guys that Bill Belichick at one time thought, hey, Tom Brady goes down, I'm going to put them in. 
Yeah, you know, they're both guys that at some point in time, in fact, you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett started two games for Bill Belichick. So, you know, he was he was very confident in him. And, and it should be noted, they wanted Brian Hoyer back. They cut him because they had a fourth-round pick in Jarrett Stidham who played extremely well in the preseason. And they knew if they exposed that kid to waivers, he was going to get claimed. So they cut Hoyer, but their hope was that, that he would re-sign with the team. He got a better chance to, to be a number two here in Indianapolis. And obviously a nice payday to go along with that. Chose to take that instead. So, yeah, you know, I think there should be some comfort level in the fact that that New England did, you know, feel like these guys were, were good backup plans. Uh, but really, it, it, we've seen before, it doesn't really matter where you come from. I mean, Kurt Warner was stocking groceries in, in Iowa before uh, the Rams found him and, and gave him a shot. He got thrown in when Trent Green went down in the preseason. And the next thing you know, he's the MVP and the Rams are Super Bowl champions. So it is really nothing matters except for how they fit in Frank Reich's scheme. And I think what should give Colts fans the most confidence is that Frank Reich from day one, literally the day he had his introductory press conference, he's been a Jacoby Brissett fan. He likes that kid. He likes what he's seen in film. And he likes the way he fits into to his offense. So that, as much as anything, should make Colts fans confident uh, as they head into to this season. And I think the Colts showed their confidence in their QB when they extended his contract recently. Yeah, and I think that's another deal, like we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. That's another deal that's kind of typical of what we've seen from Chris Ballard. Two years, $30 million, uh, this year and next. It, it essentially gives him the franchise tag a year early. And it takes away all that drama. If Jacoby Brissett has a season as good as the Colts think he can in March, you're not going to hear all this craziness about will they franchise him, will they not, will they reach a long-term deal. All that's gone. They've got him for this year. They've got him for next year. It's a good payday. It's life-changing money for him, $20 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, good payday for him. Makes him higher paid than his backup, which I'm sure was a nice, important factor in all of this. Uh, but it, it it also gives the team flexibility. Again, if things don't work out and they want to move on, or even if they just want to take a look at another guy and see how it works with him, this is a contract that allows them to do that. So I think all the way around it was a good deal, and it's something that was important. I think they're needed. It's one thing to go out and say, we believe in Jacoby Brissett. We think he can go out and have success. It's another thing to pull out the checkbook and give him the money and, and make – Put your money where your mouth is. I think that that was important just as a symbolic gesture to the locker room, to the quarterback himself. Now, moving on from the quarterback situations, obviously the Colts are getting ready for the first game of the season against the Los Angeles Chargers out in L.A. Uh, Are there any other storylines we need to be following as we go into week one? Tons, right? I mean, it's week one, and you're always interested to see what's going to happen. I think one of the most intriguing things is the Chargers are beat up on the offensive line. Russell Okung's not going to play. Uh, that That's their best tackle. You know, that, that means that Justin Houston should have a backup tackle to go against here in his first game with the Colts. And we've seen throughout the training camp and a little bit in the preseason a pretty dominant performance from this defensive line. So let's see if that carries over into regular season games. You know, the, if they can get some pressure on Phillip Rivers – make him a little uncomfortable, that's their best chance for victory. I mean, every week, that's, that's no rocket science here to say that you want to get to the opposing quarterback, make him move off his spa, spots, 
make him get out of rhythm, make him get rid of the ball faster than he wants to, put him on the ground a few times. It's something that this defensive line should be able to do. Be interesting to see if they are able to do that in person. And then there's been a lot of talk about the Colts' offensive line this year and the change from uh, Dave DiGuglielmo to Chris Strasser and Howard Mudd coming back in as a senior offensive assistant. The Chargers are no joke on the edge. With Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, they've got two of the best pass rushers in the game. That's going to test this offensive line, the pass protection in general. It's not just the linemen, tight ends, the running backs, Jacoby Brissett being able to, to diagnose what he's seeing, help call those right protections alongside Ryan Kelly. Uh, that's going to be a major test for this team out in week one after you fly out to the West Coast. It's a long road trip. It's always difficult. Uh, can they go out there and handle that? I think that's really important. And I think the other guy who, who really has a chance to be a breakout this year and is going to be an intriguing factor in this game and in, in every game this season is Marlon Mack. First time we've really seen him have a really healthy uh, offseason and a, a healthy spring and summer. Hasn't missed a practice. Can he go out there and look like he did in the second half of last year when he was a top-flight running back? Uh, good defense and a good run game are quarterback's best friends. And if, if Jacoby Brissett gets those two things, uh, it's going to help him a lot as this season goes forward. I think everybody is just ready to move on with this chapter of Colts history, get to that first game in Los Angeles, and see where we go from there. And that includes us. Normally we'd be heading into the inside the locker room portion of our show, but it's been a busy couple weeks. So we are going to go ahead and move on to the mailbag, the Pony Express. Delivering answers to all of your burning questions about the Colts and the NFL, it's the Pony Express. And we're back. I'm Heather B. And this is George Bremer with the CNHI Sports Indiana Colts beat writer. And we're ready for the Pony Express, where we answer your questions from Twitter. And our first question comes from at Gaius Publis. Uh, he says the O-line was a big part of last year and it's looked weak so far. What's the plan if Costanzo or Kelly goes down? Will Mac get the majority of carries, and can he get to 1,500 yards? Let's address that first part about the O-line. Yeah, uh, starting with the O-line, first of all, I, I think it's important to understand and to realize that we still haven't seen that first-team offensive line together as a unit yet. Anthony Costanzo missed the first game. Uh, Quentin Nelson was out for the second game. I think Ryan Kelly was out for the first game as well, and then nobody played in the last two. So uh, what you've seen so far has not been the line as we'll see it on Sunday. Uh, but also, I think there are questions and it's worth asking, you know, it, will there be regression with this offensive line after what was really a career year for them? Been years since we've seen the, the line play the way it did a year ago. The coaching chains, there, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think it's going to be important to, to see how that plays out in the, in the regular season. Even last year, it took them a few weeks to, to get things going. Now, again, Costanzo didn't, didn't play the first five games of the season. Uh, you know, there were some, some other underlying factors there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, how they do together as a unit for the first time on Sunday. The, the questions about the backups are legit. You know, those are serious questions. I don't know uh, that there is good depth. Now, that's not unusual around the league. I mean, that's part of the, the factor right now in the NFL. It's hard to find five good starting linemen. It's even harder to find backups. But if Kelly or Costanza goes down or Quentin Nelson, heaven forbid, 
uh, yeah, there's going to be some trouble on that offensive line. They're going to have to find some ways to scramble, and, and odds are that will happen at some point in the season. I mean, that that's the way it goes. Very few teams get through a year with all five offensive linemen healthy for 16 games, so we'll see how that plays out. As for the second part of the question, Marlon Mack is going to get the majority of the carries. He'll be the bell cow for this team this year. They're going to use Naheem Hines the way they did last year, sort of as that third down guy, some catches out of the backfield, very specific role for him. I would assume that Jordan Wilkins will carry on as, as more of the traditional change of pace, uh, give Marlon Mack a rest type guy. 1,500 yards is probably a bit uh, over-optimistic, as Jim Irsay had said last year going into the season. Uh, but I, I think this is a guy who will get over 1,000. I think 11 or 1,200 yards isn't out of the question if he stays healthy and the offensive line plays at the level it did a year ago. Our next question is from at BinkBink92. What are your thoughts on if the Colts would trade for Melvin Gordon? Would that give the Colts the ground game they need to take the pressure off of number seven and take them to the next level? I'd be really surprised if the Colts trade for Melvin Gordon. They they had a chance to get a better running back in Le'Veon Bell during free agency when all it would have cost was money, no draft picks, no other assets. And they really didn't even look into that situation. So I'd be really surprised if Chris Ballard's in a situation now where he wants to trade a draft pick and bring in Melvin Gordon and, and sign him. Uh, for the kind of money it's going to take to give him the long-term deal that he wants. And, I, again, I, I think fans need to realize this organization really likes Marlon Mack. And what you saw from him at the end of last year, uh, there's good reason to, to feel that way. And this is a kid with really good breakaway home run type speed. And if the offensive line can continue to play at the level that, that it did a year ago, which is obviously a big question we just addressed, uh, there's no reason to think that Matt can't have a breakout year and, and be a really tremendous player this season. Our next question comes from at Daryl Ingham 16. How good could Deion Kane and Paris Campbell be? Really good, right? <laughs> that would be my answer. Really good. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Deion Kane's going to be an interesting guy out of the gates because I don't know how much he's going to play initially. I mean, you're looking at a situation where T.Y. Hilton's a clear number one, had an outstanding training camp, didn't really see him play at all in the preseason. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of year he has this year. And then Devin Funches is your number two. And I think you're going to see Paris Campbell and, and Chester Rogers work in at the slot. So I know that they'll they'll find some packages and some way to get Deion Kane out there on the field. He's a big play threat. He really took the top off defenses at Clemson. I think you finally got to see in the preseason this year what we've seen for two years in, in practice from him, uh, just how exciting of a player he can be, can be. But I don't know if this is the year yet that he's going to be a breakout guy. We'll see. Malik Hooker disagrees with me. He said early on in training camp that by the end of this season, Deion Kane was going to be a household name uh, in the NFL. So we'll see how that plays out. Paris Campbell from all indications is a perfect fit for this offense. The tiny little bit we saw of him against Cincinnati looked exactly the way it did in practice. Frank Reich said earlier this week, even though Hill, uh, Campbell had dealt with a, a pretty serious uh, hamstring injury that kept him out for almost all of, of training camp, uh, it, it's not something that I, that I think they're going to 
have a, a lot of concern with moving forward. I mean, it was surprising. He said even though he's a rookie, he really feels like he didn't miss any practice. He knows he did. Uh, Reich knows he did. Obviously, he was there watching him on the sideline. But they feel like mentally, physically, Paris Campbell's exactly where he needs to be. I think he's a tremendous fit for this offense. I think he's a guy who could have a really, really big season for this team. All right. Our next question comes from at Gonzo Jacket. How many times has Philip Walker been waived slash added to the practice squad in the last two years? Have you talked to him about that? Does he get credit for years in the league through this cycle? He's just curious about the feelings, advantages, and disadvantages of his situation. Well, hat tip to Nat Newell of the Indy Star because he put it out on Twitter. 11 is the answer to how many times he's been released and, and brought back in the last two years. And who knows, by the time this podcast is live, it might be 12. We'll have to see. Uh, he's definitely on that carousel. I haven't talked to him personally about it, uh, but I do know that Chris Ballard has, has really worked hard to make sure that he's on the – practice squad long enough each week to get a full week's paycheck and I think that that's how you're able to kind of shift guys in and out make sure that they get their full pay for the week and they're probably going to handle it a lot better uh, than they would otherwise Uh, I think for Walker it's not ideal obviously to to go on and off the the practice squad as often as he has but he's he's always been a team guy he's always Got a smile on his face. He's obviously a tremendous competitor. I'm sure he would like to see uh, things play out a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, if he's if the checks are cashing, there's there's worse ways to make a living, and I think he understands that. As far as the years uh, accruing, nobody on the practice squad gets a year. If, if you spend the entire year on the practice squad, you end up you're still a first year player the next year. So nope, uh, no no kind of movement towards the pension for him there. Okay, our next question comes from Joe Meredith. Do we still see Jacoby doing group photos with the defense? Unfortunately, no. First of all, it's a 15-yard penalty this year. It's the Jacoby Brissett rule. Uh, the league, always trying to look for ways to take the fun out of the game, has decided that nobody from the sideline can go and, and do that. So not only can Jacoby Brissett not do it, Brian Hoyer can't fill in in, in his tradition. Nobody else around the league is allowed to do that as well. Uh, but also, even even if the penalty hadn't been installed I think that Jacoby's going to be a little bit busier this year when the Colts game possession than he was a year ago. Now, I have a question about that rule. Can they just not go to the end zone, or can they not take a picture at all? That's a good question. I assume that if everybody went back to the sideline and took the picture, then the players could go ahead and be involved in it. Of course, Jacoby would be in the huddle, so he couldn't be part of it at that point. But maybe Brian Hoyer can do it as long as it, it's not in the end zone. It's not on the quote-unquote field of play. All right, then I'm going to make an offer to Brian Hoyer right now. You get with the defense on the sideline, and I will be there during home games to take the picture. All right, our next question then comes from Chance Naderi. He just wants to know why the front office loves Brissett so much. I think that's a question a lot of Colts fans have, and, and it's a really easy answer. I mean, first and foremost, they see three things that are sort of the DNA of, of quarterbacks who succeed in this league in him. One is natural leadership. I think Brian Hoyer brought it up today. He's just a people person. People just naturally gravitate towards Jacoby Brissett. It's something that, that 
quarterback needs, obviously, to have, you know, to get people to want to follow him, want to be a part of what he's doing. Uh, his big arm, which has been evidenced in even that 2017 season, there's not a whole lot you can take from that year, good or bad. But the fact that he had 32 plays of 20 yards or more, uh, indicative of how strong that arm is. All you got to do is go back to the Philadelphia game last year when he came in to throw the Hail Mary and it went out of the end zone to understand that this is a guy with above average arm strength. And then I think the third thing is just how agile his mind is. He thinks on his feet pretty quickly. He's an extremely smart guy. He negotiated his own contract, for goodness sakes. Uh, this is a really smart kid. Those three things do not guarantee success in the NFL, but I think the lack of them guarantee failure. And so nobody knows for sure how it's going to look, but they have a lot of confidence that this guy with these traits uh, coming into a situation where they, they have confidence in the offensive line, there's a lot of weapons at wide receiver, there's a running back who can have success. You put that all together and it makes them believe that Jacoby Brissett can get the job done Obviously, words are, are words and, you know, actions are going to need to be taking place on the field and, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but there is a ton of confidence and love for this quarterback, both in the front office and throughout the locker room. All right. Our final question of the week. It comes from at Colts fan NY. Does Jacoby have any elite traits? No one can seem to pin down what Jacoby is really good at. I expected to read 15 articles at least this on this topic by now, and there are zero. Now, that is a really good question. I talked with Frank Reich about it. My first question today, actually, in the press conference was about Jacoby's arm strength because we've seen it uh, you know, again and again, but Frank Reich's been around the league for a long time, and he's seen quarterbacks you know, from all over uh, the game, and, and that's kind of – one of the things that he's done with his life really is evaluate quarterbacks and, and how to play the position. And I asked him, you know, is Jacoby unique in his arm talent? And Reich didn't hesitate to say he is way above average. And I think that's where Jacoby's elite skill is. This guy can throw the ball a country mile. Now, there have been plenty of quarterbacks throughout league history who can do that, who have not had success. But when you've got deep threats like T.Y. Hilton, like uh, Paris Campbell, like Deion Kane, and you can throw the ball out there and let them run under it. It means there's a threat of a big play every time you have the football. And it should make for some exciting moments in during the season this year. The big question with Jacoby is his accuracy. Again, I, I talked about, you know, if you want to take a positive from 2017, 20, uh, play, 32 plays of 20 yards or more. Uh, through the air, that's not a number to sneeze out at all, especially in 15 games. I think it was third in the league that year. Uh, but if you want to take a negative away from that that season, he wasn't always the most accurate quarterback, especially when he was under pressure. And that's something he's worked really hard this offseason with. Tom House, one of the guys that worked with Tom Brady, that's worked with Tom, with Andrew Luck the last couple years. He's been working with Jacoby Brissett on his mechanics, on being a more accurate quarterback. It's something that Frank Reich really has seen, he believes, really has seen some growth in. And so that I think is going to be a really important factor, you know, because you can have the strongest arm on earth, but if you can't get the ball where it needs to be on time, 
That's what it really comes down to in the NFL. So be interesting to see how he's grown there. I think it's one of the exciting things about this season to me is that you've got a blank slate this time for the Colts. Usually you know kind of who that quarterback is for the last 20-plus years. Uh, there's been a really good idea of who that quarterback is and what he can do, and, and you can kind of project a lot of things. This year, for the first time in a long time, uh, it, it's it's a mystery, and I think it's going to be fun to watch that play out. That wraps up our mailbag questions for the week. As always, if you have any questions for George about the Colts, uh, you can hit him up on Twitter at GM Bremer with those questions each week. We'll send out a notice to let you know we're getting ready to record the podcast. Well, when we come back, we'll be looking ahead to the game this weekend and making our predictions for the game. Welcome back to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. George, what are the three keys for the Colts in bringing back a victory from Los Angeles this weekend? First and foremost, this was going to be a tough assignment, even with a healthy Andrew Luck. I think people have to understand they're going across country, which is always difficult. You're going to play a team that on paper looks like one of the best teams in the AFC, a Super Bowl contender, uh, a quarterback who's been doing this for a long time, has seen everything there is to see in the game. Uh, it's a very tough challenge uh, out of the gate for a young team still trying to find its way in many ways. I think the keys, let's start with protecting Jacoby Brissett. And that doesn't just fall. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast. That doesn't just fall on the offensive line. It starts with them. They've got to play well, certainly, to make it happen. The tight ends, the running backs, Everybody involved in that pass protection scheme has got to be on their game because Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are going to come after Brissett probably on every down at this point. Uh, there's really no reason not to do that. Test him. See if he can stand up under the heat. Uh, I think everyone's going to do that every week until the Colts prove that it's not a strategy that's going to work against them. But I think also in that protecting Jacoby Brissett, a lot of it falls on his shoulders too. There were times in 2017 when he held onto the ball too long. He's got to get it out quickly. That's what this system is created to do anyway. And I think one of the key guys to that is going to be Paris Campbell. We've seen uh, the reason he's such a good fit for this offense. He's so good at running underneath, getting those catches, yards after the catch, turning a quick kind of crossing pattern into a really big play. That's how you beat the blitz. That's how you beat the heavy pressure. Find Paris Campbell on the hot reads, throw the ball with accuracy and consistency. That's key number one, I think, for the Colts. Number two, get Marlon Mack involved. Don't put everything on on Jacoby Brissett's shoulders. Lean on that running game. Marlon Mack has 100 yards or more. It's going to be that much better of a day for the Colts. It's going to be that much better of a day for Jacoby Brissett. Frank Reich's talked about it all offseason long. They want to be a top-five rushing team. When you got two pass rushers like Ingram and Bosa, the best way to slow them down is to run the ball right at them and get them. don't let them get their ears pinned back, come after Brissett, put a little bit of seed of doubt in their mind. The better day that Marlon Mack can have, the better it's going to be for the Colts, the better it's going to be for, for the team as a whole. And then I think number three, situational football. That's one of the biggest things every team talks about every year. This defense, look, they're going to play more man than they have in the past, but this is still, at its heart, a Tampa 2 zone defense. That means there's going to be windows that that Philip Philip Rivers can throw into, 
And that's gonna it's just something the fans are gonna have to live with. It's the way this defense is designed. They're gonna try to get pressure on him. The more pressure on him they get, the better that's gonna be. But also gotta have sure tackles from the cornerbacks because you can't let those two or three yard, four or five yard passes turn into 12, 15 yard or more plays. You gotta gotta make sure that you're tackling. The first guy that gets there gets the receiver on the ground. And then they've got to win on third down. They got to win in the red zone. I think that's the most important factor in this game. If the defense can win on third down more often than not, win in the red zone more often than not, give this team a chance to win uh, in the season opener at LA. Who has to be the MVP for the Colts in this game? Yeah, I. That's a tough one. I, I would say probably Justin Houston, and the reason for that is he's making his debut. Uh, obviously he's a guy with a lot of success in Kansas City he's seen the Chargers twice a year throughout his career for eight years coming in here and he's going against a backup tackle so if he can go and make life miserable consistently for Phillip Rivers will go a long way towards slowing that Chargers offense down so what's your gut feeling about the outcome of this game I know when we did our preseason page that uh, we do for CNHI you picked the Colts to go ahead and win the division. And that was after Andrew had retired. So what do you think the outcome is here? It's it's a tough game, even if Andrew was still your quarterback, even if everything had gone as planned. Do Jacoby and the Colts get it done in L.A.? I I took the optimistic view on the season. I've got them 9-7 and right now, and I think that'll be good enough to sneak through and win the AFC South. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I think that this defense and, and the skill players are still really good. And as long as Jacoby Brissett doesn't turn into a turnover machine, which he's not been even back to his college days uh, throughout his career, I, I think he can do enough to help this team win enough games and, and possibly get into the playoffs. Uh, but I don't think that happens on Sunday. I, I think the Chargers are, are too big of a test uh, out of the gate for this team. My pick is somewhere around 24 to 21. I think it's going to be a close game. But I think it's one of these games where the experience the Chargers have, the experience Phillip Rivers in particular has, got to make the difference at the end. Okay, so no celebrations at Waffle House for Jacoby Brissett. Not this week. All right. Well, that is it for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. Thanks for joining us again this season. We're looking forward to whatever the season may bring. As always, you can follow George on Twitter at GM Brewer and hear this podcast each week on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a host of other platforms. As we finish up this podcast and head into the week one game with the Los Angeles Chargers, I remind you, as we do every week, in the words of Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to one another. You've been listening to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. For more Colts news and information, follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. And join us next time for more of the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast.